for I witnessed with my own eyes. There's a church I was in, uh, Victory Baptist there in Brownwood, and they'd always sing, instead of calling out the names and everything, they'd say, uh, Dear Christian. They'd say, you know, Happy Birthday to you, Happy Birthday, Happy Birthday, Dear Christian, Happy Birthday to you, you know, and when this young girl asked her mom one time, who is Chris John? We always sing in happy birthday to Chris John. <laughs> Woo. That girl was like 35. No, that's a lie. That's right. Not 35. <laughs> Voted a Democrat, yeah. Um, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Here's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking here for the kingdom of heaven. It's like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about, that, about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Brother Hank, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Thank you for the health of it. Yes, Lord. Thank you for the health of it. Bless them, Father. Bless them, Father. Amen. Amen. So what you're seeing here in this story is Jesus Christ is hiring people. And he's hiring laborers. And the great truth is, is Jesus Christ is looking to hire you. The Lord's always looking to hire. Always. I've noticed a, a theme going through my sermons and through even my Wednesday nights and my Sunday school lessons. has been a theme, and I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me that way, is a theme of service. Now, I don't know, the Lord's been giving me a theme of service through my sermons, through my teaching, and it's just like, it hits it in Ecclesiastes about casting your bread on the water, it hits it in Sunday school with Jesus Christ telling just about serving the Lord, just about serving the Lord. And I know i got a church, a, a church full of people that serve the Lord. So I'm not doing this to try to encourage you to say, hey, you're not serving the Lord enough. I don't know why the Lord's giving me this stuff. Because when we have something, when we do something, if we go to the nursing homes, or we, go, we hand out trick-or-treat candy, for the trick-or-treaters with gospel tracts, whatever we're doing as a church, when we leave these four walls, I mean, the, the, y'all show up in abundance, and, and I love y'all for serving the Lord like that. And it's a real blessing. But the Lord is in the hiring business. He is looking to hire, and when he had greed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Verse 3 tells us that he's seeking. He not only just has hired a few, he's always seeking to hire. There's always a help wanted sign for Jesus Christ out in front of his business. He's always looking to hire people. He's always seeking and looking to save lost souls. Jesus Christ's whole business is to save your soul. Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save those that are lost. 
He came into this world to seek and to save lost souls. And he wants to save your soul. And he's looking to save your soul. If you're in here this morning and you're not sure if Jesus Christ has your soul, you don't know what business you're working for, we can handle that at the end of this service. Real easy. And you can come in and start working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope as we get through the rest of these verses, you'll find out just how good a boss, just, good, just how good a business Jesus Christ is to work for. It's great to work for Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew, keep your hand here, but look, look back to Matthew chapter 9. So there's a, there's a need in the church today for servants, for laborers, for people who will work for the Lord. We need workers for the Lord. We don't need people that are looking for the Lord to give them a new mansion or give them a new car to make their bank account grow. Those are, those are for the people sitting at home watching TV, and they're getting the preachers they deserve. We want, we want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, why are you so passionate about serving Jesus Christ? Because he's did so much for me. And he's worthy. And let me tell you something. I've never had greater joy, and I've done a lot of things in this world I'm not going to admit to, but I've done a lot of things in this world, but I've never had greater joy than when I served and did something for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Never. Nothing like it. Look at chapter 9 of Matthew. Look at verse 36. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is a theme you'll find through the Gospels of Jesus Christ is Him looking for people to help Him. But when He saw, this is Jesus, when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them. Jesus has a compassion for souls. Jesus has a compassion not for those sheep that are found, not for the disciples. He had a compassion on those people that were following Him. The lost multitude. He looked on them, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ doesn't say, well, what are they doing over here? What he says, I love these people. I have compassion on them. In other places, he had so much compassion, he said, feed these people. Give them some food. He not only has compassion for your soul, but he has a compassion for the physical state you're in, the emotional state you're in, the financial state you're in. Whatever state you're in this morning, you say, man, I'm in bad shape. Yeah, tell me about it. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he does care. We just sang the song. He's a kind and compassionate friend. Oh, how I love Jesus. That's why we sing those songs, because it's true. I love Jesus because he is kind. He is compassionate. He had compassion on them because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Sheep having no shepherd. So when Jesus Christ looks on this world... He, he looks on men and women and he sees sheep. If they're lost, he sees a sheep that has no shepherd. And what's a sheep with no shepherd? That's a sheep that's looking to die. That's a sheep that's looking to be destroyed by a wolf, to be destroyed by a lion, to be eaten by a bear. That's a sheep that's in danger. And the Lord looks at you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If Jesus Christ is not your good shepherd, he looks at you as a sheep that's about to be destroyed. The old sheep farmer there in Coleman. Dewey Wilson, God rest his soul, went on to be with the Lord. He used to tell me, sheep are always looking for a good place to die. That's all they're doing is looking for a place to die. That's what he said about him. He was a sheep farmer. Looking for a place to die. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What should we do about that, Lord? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Are you doing something for the Lord? Well, pray that the Lord will send you somebody to help you do some of this stuff for the Lord. The Lord's always looking to hire. He's got a help on his sign out. 
We need laborers for Jesus Christ. We need people that are willing to work for Jesus Christ. And when I say work, I know that's a four-letter word, but I mean work. Get your hands dirty. Do something for the Lord. Do things that make you uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but every job I've ever had, when I go to work, they make me do things I don't want to do. That's why it's called work. Now, I'm not one of those lucky guys that got to sit at home during COVID and work from home. I mean, that, that's a dream job. Get up, turn on the computer, stay in your pajamas, drink coffee, get mad because your internet's not working like it should, and then have to do a Zoom call or something like that, and you got to brush your hair or something, and then get up there, and i got to look presentable for 30 minutes. Yeah, everything's going good at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, okay, I'm done. Go home, take, go back to the bed, take a nap and everything. That's what the Twitter employees did for a couple of years there. Elon Musk came in there and fired about three-quarters of them. You either come to work or you're not, you're not, you're fired. You know, well, I'm not coming to work. You're fired. We need workers. There's labor. He said there's laborers. The harvest truly is plenteous. There's lots of work to do, but the laborers are few. And God bless y'all. God bless y'all that y'all are willing to take on that labor. Y'all are willing to do that work. Y'all are willing to do those things for the Lord Jesus Christ that's uncomfortable, that's not pleasing, that nobody else wants to do. God bless y'all for doing that. And God will bless you for doing that. You're, you're not going to go unrewarded. This is an occupation for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a labor. He will pay you your penny. He said, I'll pay you your penny. Now, back then, that was about a day's wages. He says, I'll pay you what you deserve. Just work for me. I need somebody to work for me. And it says back there in Matthew 20 that he, went, he got some laborers, and then he went out looking for more laborers, and then he went out looking for more laborers. But he will pay you. Look at John, John chapter 4. And then we'll go back to Matthew. But look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 35. Man, the Lord's, he's looking for a few good men and women that are willing to work for him, do some work. It's hard to find them. It's hard to find them. I tell you, the hardest part of my job, other than putting up with the politics, the hardest part of my job is hiring people. Because what I found out, and I've been working at the same job for almost 20 years now, what I found out is over the years it's gotten worse and worse and worse, and you, you call people in, and one of the things we ask them is like, okay, well, tell us what your favorite job was. And this is how they're almost nine out of ten answers say, my favorite job was working at the movie theater. Oh, yeah, what would you like about that, watching all the movies? No, I didn't have to do no work. Hmm, that puts you at the top of my hiring list. They don't realize they're telling on themselves. We need people who will work. And you'll get paid for it. Look at verse 35. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus uh, talking to his disciples. He said, hey, say not ye that there, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. So you think, hey, the time's coming. We need to start getting ready to work. Hey, the day's here. We need to work right now. Look up. Open your eyes. There's people lost going to hell. Open your eyes. The world doesn't care about Jesus Christ. Open your eyes. There's work to do to get the gospel message out. If, we're not, if we don't get the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ out, who will? I don't see anybody else doing it. And I'm not just talking about ending gap. I'm talking about churches in general. If the church 
doesn't get out the good news of Jesus Christ, who's going to do it? The media is not going to do it. They try to suppress that stuff. They're not going to talk about Jesus Christ. They'll, they'll promote every religion but Christianity. They'll, have, they'll promote Islam. They'll pro promote Buddhism. They'll promote some of the worst cults you've ever seen. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, no, no, no. Don't mention the name of Jesus Christ. And it gets so sickening. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Look at verse 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. You're going to earn a wage. The Lord will pay you. You say, well, I hadn't been paid yet. It's coming in heaven. Man, guys, if the Lord was to come down and give somebody and say, okay, here we go. Either I can give you $500,000 now or I can give you your wages up in heaven. What do you want? I know what y'all would say. And don't lie to me. I'll take the $500,000, Lord. Right into the, and here's the bank account number, and you give the Lord the bank account number. The truth is, is whatever the Lord gives you in heaven lasts for eternity. You can't take what you've got down here with you. The Lord could give you $2 million, and I know a lot of us in here would take that. Glory to God! And then the Lord would strike us down with a heart attack the next day. The point is, is that the Lord is giving you wages that are up in heaven. He says, lay you up, Jesus Christ said in other parts of the gospel, says, lay you up treasures up in heaven where the thief can't get to it and the moth can't corrupt it. That's our Lord and Savior saying that. He that reapeth receiveth wages. wages. Verse 36, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. See that? Eternal, there it is. That both he that soweth, there's somebody who's sowing, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. We're working together in this. Brother and sister, whatever you're doing for the Lord, you're not doing it by yourself. Now, as a church, I know I really encourage to give out tracts. Uh, last Wednesday night, I was uh, really harping about, hey, let's give out tracts. Let's give out gospel tracts. It's an easy way to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm used to going out and giving out tracts, but it always shocks me. Like I was up in Stephenville, and I was walking out of that Captain D's or whatever, and this guy just walked up to me, and he looked me right square in the face. He said, Jesus Christ is coming soon. God bless you. He just kept on walking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He is coming soon. You're not alone. Elijah thought he was alone, remember? Oh, everybody's forsaken me. I'm all alone. The Lord said, get out of here, Elijah. I've got 7,000 that hadn't bent the knee to Baal. i got some more men. Don't you worry about that. There's some more women and men out there that are working for Jesus Christ, guys. We're, not, we're in this together. And we're going to rejoice together. Amen. Verse 37, and herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. Some of us have got some jobs. Some of us have got other jobs. Verse 38, I sent you to reap. Look at this. That wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. When I got here, there was men that came before me that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They labored. They kept this church open. They kept this church open when there was nobody coming. There was men and women in this community that kept this church open. And God has blessed that. And Brother King is coming off of their labors. And coming in here and saying, well, look at that. Look at that church. It's still going. It's still going because for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, there were men and women, brothers and sisters that sacrificed to keep the doors open to this church. We're, we're working off other people's labors. We're working off of Billy Graham preaching the Crusades. We're working off Dwaldo Moody, Finney, all these great, Billy Sunday, all these great preachers that came before us, all these great Christians, Corey Ten Boone, 
Watchman Nee, all these great Christians that came before us, Clarence Larkin, Dr. Ruckman that came before us that were, that were blazing the path. We're just coming along and just picking it up. They sold it out. They did all the plowing. We're just going to come up and kind of reap some of it. The plowing is the hard work. The plowing's been done in this country. The country don't want to listen to the preaching. That's not your fault. God's already pulled all the stumps up. The field is ready to be seeded. It's your job just to throw the seed out. That's the easy part. Just walk and start throwing the seed out. Somebody else has already plowed it up. The preachers already came before us. This country is ready. Its labors are needed. And it's easy work. I sent you to reap that wherein you sowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. I'm not asking you, hey, go start a church. Go do this. You already got the resources here. You say, well, I don't have opportunity to, I don't have any gospel tracts. We've got thousands of them in the back. I don't have any Bibles to hand out. we got Bibles out the boxes to hand out. We've got whatever you want. The church, the Lord has blessed us. Now, let's get busy and do something for Him. Look at Matthew chapter 10, 20. Let's go back. Matthew chapter 20. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because y'all are so faithful to doing stuff for the Lord. So faithful. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate y'all being like that. It's a real blessing to this pastor to have people that love Jesus Christ, that do stuff for the Lord when they're not getting any kind of recognition. None. You'll, I'll come in here on a Sunday morning. I'll come in here on Wednesday night. And I'll come in there and thinking, I need to get in there and get the vacuum out. And I'll come in here and it's already been vacuumed. Well, who did that? I don't know. They didn't text me. They didn't call me. It just got done. Do I want to know? Sometimes I do. But you know who knows? The Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Sometimes, it's, sometimes just do something for the Lord. Don't let your wife know. Don't let your husband. Don't let anybody know. Just do it between you and the Lord. And I'm telling you, man, that's, that's something sweet right there. That's something good. That makes you feel good right there. All right, back in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Let's finish up this story and see what's going on here. We'll pick it back up in verse 4. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. So back in verse 3, it says the third hour, that's 9 a.m. Said in verse 3, said he went out about the third hour. That's 9 a.m. Their hour started, their day started at 6 in the morning. So 6 in the morning is the first hour when daylight. So you, if he says the third hour, you can count three hours past six. That's where you get 9 a.m. So that's what you're going to get. Look at verse 5. You can figure this out. Verse 5. Again, he went out about the sixth hour. So, you, so if 9 a.m., you, you count three hours from there, you're going to get noon at the sixth hour. The ninth hour is going to be 3 p.m. Again, he went out about the sixth hour, about noon, and ninth hour, about 3 p.m., and did likewise. He keeps going back out. looking for The Lord is looking for people to come in. He wants them. He wants to hire you. He wants to give you something to do. Verse 6. And about the 11th hour. That's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 12th hour would be 6 o'clock p.m. So about 5 p.m. He goes out about the 11th hour. He went out and found others standing idle. And said unto them. Why stand ye here all the day idle? The great truth is Jesus Christ does not want you standing idle. That's a great truth. The way I want to put it this morning is, God doesn't want you on His welfare plan. Amen. 
Amen. He doesn't want you on. He don't want you sitting home on your couch not doing nothing for him. And that means not, not that means he doesn't want you just coming to church for one hour on a Sunday, listen to the preacher, roll your eyes, and go back and then live what you wanted. The Lord don't want you living like that. You'd be better to stay home. Amen. He wants you doing something for him through the rest of the week. Is there not 24 hours in a day? Is there not seven days in a week? The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to live this, walk it. That's why they call, that's why, that's why non-believers and atheists and, and, and lost men and women are so quick to call us hypocrites. Because we are hypocrites. Some of us come in, we, we go to church, and that's it. And then we live the rest of our life, nobody can tell we're, the rest of the day, the rest of the week, nobody can tell we're a Christian. Is that what your friends would say about you? Would your friends be shocked to find out you were going to church? Or do you mention church? Do you say, yeah, I was at church Sunday, or we're doing this, or we went down there and we were handing out tracts down to, would, the, would, the, would, they, would your friends be surprised to find out you're a Christian? One time I was around a bunch of guys, and this is one guy, I didn't know him really well, but I knew him. And we were talking, and I got to witnessing to him, and these were, they were younger than me, and this one guy said, I'm a Christian. And I looked at him, and I, I just was blunt as I can be. I said, I can't tell it. I didn't know. That's not a good testimony, brothers and sisters. Standing idle. God doesn't want you on his welfare plan. You know what the Bible says? And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, If any man will not work, neither should he eat. Why are you taking the blessings of God and not doing nothing? So well, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. To, I'm not supposed to work to get saved. You're absolutely right. Doctrinally, God does not, you're not going to work your way into heaven. You're not going to work your way for salvation. Doctrinally, you're right. Ephesians chapter 2 says, verse 8, y'all know the verse, I'll read it to you. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's a very famous scripture. And that scripture tells us, Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit that you're not going to work your way into heaven. It's by grace through faith. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and His grace, He gives you eternal life. But you know what verse 10 says? The very next verse after all of that, talking about no works, no works, no works. This is what Paul wrote. For we are his workmanship. God created you. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yeah, you're saved by faith, not of yourselves. You're not going to get to heaven and boast, but the Lord expects you to work. He doesn't want you on a welfare plan. It's not what he wants. You know, one time, I was a young man. I was probably 17. I worked at a grocery store. And I'll never forget this. I lived to be 100. I worked at this grocery store. And I remember I was a sacker. And I'm sacking the groceries. And this lady comes through the line. And she comes through the line. And she's buying stuff with food stamps. Now, there's nothing wrong if you need assistance. I'm not making fun of somebody who needs assistance. We all need a helping hand. Amen? Okay, so I don't want you all to mis mishear me. I don't mind that. Well, she come through here, and she, and she was a very well-dressed lady. And it surprised me that she was using food stamps. This is back when you actually had stamps. That kind of shows my age. And I know how she got the stamps now. I didn't know it because I was too young and dumb to understand. But what they do, people would take those stamps, and if those stamps were worth, let's say the stamp was worth $100, or they had $100, they would go sell them to somebody for $50. Bucks. 
So somebody give you a $50 bill, and they give you $100 worth of food stamps. In other words, you're getting, you know, they're both winning. They're getting cash. This is what they want to go buy, liquor and booze and drugs or whatever they can't buy with food stamps. And then the person's getting a good deal. They're getting the groceries half off. That's exactly what this lady was doing because she had no idea how to use them because she went to this line, and she was trying to use them, and she had dog food. Now, I don't know if it's still this way, but you cannot buy dog food with food stamps. Is, this still that, is that still true? Uh, I guess so. I don't know. The way people feel about dogs and animals, I'm surprised that hadn't been passed. She said, what? No, ma'am. You, and I didn't say it to her. I mean, I'm just a dumb sacker, you know. You can't buy, uh, we can't sell, you can't use food stamps with this dog food. What? I, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm not stopped watching the show. I'll just go buy hamburger meat. So she goes all to the back, gets like a bunch of hamburger meat. Now, this is when I was 17, didn't have a penny, to, two pennies rubbed together. And she brings up all this hamburger meat for her dog. Throws it on there and uses those food stamps to buy hamburger meat for her dog. And I remember putting this in a sack, and I'm already kind of fuming. I get all this food in this cart, and I go outside, and I go out to put it in her car, and she's driving a brand new Cadillac. That's when I was 17. I was just getting my eyes open to the real world. That's, that lady should have to answer to somebody, right? She's abusing the system. I'm here to tell you there's a lot of Christians that do the same thing to the Lord God. They take his blessings, they take eternal life, and they don't want to work one day for anything the Lord has given them. They don't want to help him out. And while all the other brothers and sisters are out in the field and we're laboring, we're doing something for Jesus Christ, they're back sitting on the couch. I can't wait till they get home so they can cook me a meal. <laughs> and Paul reminds us, hey, if any would not work, neither should he eat. There's a great biblical truth to that. That even if you're on a welfare program, any kind of program, the Lord, you should be doing a little bit and should be able to do a little bit for the Lord. Look at verse Six And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? So what's happened to a lot of Christians is that they get saved and what happens is they stop doing certain sins. And praise the Lord for that because you're no longer under bondage to sin, amen? You're no longer working for the devil, all of a sudden, you're not doing those sins you once were doing. But you cannot, listen to me, you cannot stand idle. You're simp- you cannot, d- to stop sinning and, and be continuous about it and to be a good Christian, you cannot simply stop sinning. you got to start doing something to replace that sin. It's not enough just to say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. You need to start doing something else. So you stopped working for the devil. You stopped working for the flesh. You stopped doing these sins. That's great. Praise the Lord. Well, now you need to start, you need to replace that. Because if you don't replace that, the devil had, the, the Bible through Jesus Christ has an illustration of a man has an unclean spirit and it leaves the man and he goes looking for, uh, he goes looking and he's in dry places and then that unclean spirit comes back to the man and he finds the man cleaned up and garnished like he's cleaned everything up, but the house is empty. The Holy Spirit's not in there. So that unclean spirit goes and finds, I think it's seven other spirits more wicked than him and he comes in and he says the state of that man is worse than the beginning. 
Otherwise, self-reformation. You try to clean yourself up, you're like, well, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to get off this alcohol, or I'm going to stop doing these drugs, or I'm going to stop this, or I'm going to stop doing that. And you have the will to do it, and you might be able to accomplish that for a little while. And you clean everything up, but you've got to replace it with the Holy Spirit. You've got to replace it with good works. If not, man, sometimes you'll be worse off than you were to begin with. And that's a warning of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you're doing good works, brothers and sisters, you have no time to do the bad works. You ever notice that? When you're busy going to church, reading your Bible, doing those things that you want the Lord, you know the Lord wants you to do, witnessing, it's amazing how you have less time to get yourself into trouble. What did our grandparents and our parents tell us growing up? I don't know if your mom, my mom used to say this to me all the time. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. And they are. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. When you're sitting around not doing anything and you're just idling by, and he said, why are you standing here idle? Why standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all the day idle? It's okay to idle up sometimes, take a break, take a lunch break, but not all day long. It's this principle, brothers and sisters, your hands, whatever your hands used to hold, they're not holding it anymore, right? Whatever your hands used to hold, let me give you an example for an alcoholic. You're, you're, as an alcoholic, my hands used to hold a beer, but now my hands are unemployed. They're not working for that anymore. What am I going to do with my hands? And the Lord Jesus Christ comes along and says, hey, I want to hire you, and I want to put a Bible into those hands. I'm going to put a hymn book into those hands. I want those hands, I'm going to put those two hands together. I want you to pray to me. The Lord's got some use for those hands. He's going to employ them. You might have a mouth, maybe you have a tongue that used to do a lot of cussing. And now it doesn't cuss anymore. It's unemployed. It's looking to be employed. And Jesus Christ comes along and says, okay, now that you're not cussing, I want you to use that mouth to praise my name. Sing out loud when you're singing the hymns. You got feet that used to take you places they shouldn't take you. They don't take you there anymore. Praise God they don't take you there anymore. But they're unemployed. They need to be employed. And Jesus Christ comes along in your life and said, Okay, we've cleaned that up now. I got something for you. I got places I want to take you. I want to take you to the hospitals and visit people in the hospitals. I want to take you to the nursing home and visit people in the nursing homes. I want to take you to church. The Lord wants to employ you. He wants to use you. He's got a job for you. Look at verse 7. They say unto him, because no man hath hired us. Because the question was, why are you standing here, all, standing here all the day idle? In verse 7, they answered him, answered the Lord Jesus, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when, so when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto this steward, call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last, Unto the first. So he says, bring all the people in. The ones I hired at, at first thing in the morning. Some I hired at 9 in the morning, 11 in the morning, noon, 5 o'clock, wherever they came. Just go ahead and bring them in. 3 o'clock, let let's go ahead and pay them what they owe. Almost every business you know of has a competitor. And Jesus is in the business of winning souls. And the competitor to, Lord, the competitor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is obviously the devil. Because he's in the soul business too. He wants to get your soul. And the devil as a boss, because I've worked under the devil, I'll tell you some, I'll tell you some stuff. Maybe some of y'all have never worked for the devil. I have worked for the devil. 
The devil as a boss is a tyrant. He's a tyrant. He's a slave driver. The devil's a horrible boss. Let me tell you something about his retirement plan. It's hell. The devil's going to give you a retirement plan, all right. It's hell. You're working for the devil. Are you sick of that? Some people just aren't. It amazes me that people that are working for the devil, even though he's a tyrant and a slave driver, and they're miserable, they still try to recruit to their employer. You ever notice that? Come on, man, just come out drinking with us. It won't be no big. Just come on in here. Come, come with us. No, no, don't be a fuddy. No, come on, smoke this joint with me. Oh, man, come on, just, just a joint. As they go to work for the devil, it's amazing how they try to call, call other people in to their employer, and they're, they're miserable, and their employer, employer is horrible. But they still recruit. How much more should we be recruiting for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ offers a wonderful retirement plan. Eternal life in a heavenly home. Now how are you going to beat that? You're not. You're not going to beat the retirement plan the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. What if I was to die tomorrow? You got that retirement plan. Well, I've only put in one year of service. I've only been saved about one year. So you're saying I've been saved for one year and then he's going to give me the retirement plan of an eternal home up in heaven? Yes, he will. What if I was saved last night? You're going to heaven. Same retirement plan. Well, that isn't fair. That's because you're not God. And let me tell you something. I'm glad you're not God. And you better be glad I'm not God because I don't think that's very fair either. But you've got a very, very gracious, compassionate, loving Savior in Jesus Christ. So I'd like to see that in the Bible. You ever seen the thief on the cross? He got put on that cross. He didn't get put on that cross for bringing too many apples to the teacher. He's on the cross. He's wicked. He's evil. He's hanging with Jesus Christ. And all he says is simply, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Ooh, that's my Jesus. Now, if you want the mean, hateful Jesus and send somebody to hell because they hadn't been doing enough for him, that's not my Jesus. Now, my Jesus will correct you. If you belong to him, he will correct you, and he will put you to work, but you still got salvation. You got that retirement plan. Look at verse 9. We're getting close to closing. Matthew chapter 20, verse 9. And when they came that were hired, hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. So what they're, what's going on here is those guys that were hired about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they probably worked about an hour's worth of wages. They got eternal life. And the guys that came from the very beginning that had been working all through the heat of the day, and they had agreed to a penny, right? They had agreed to a penny. They showed up, and they thought, okay, the Lord's going to give us more than a penny. He said, no, here's your penny. Verse 11. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. Verse 12, saying, these 
last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal with us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Yeah. Didn't you take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Some of y'all took him as young as eight years old. I know some brothers and sisters that I met in Bible college, they swore they got saved at five. And they were living for the Lord. Maybe they did. I was, I was a dumb kid. It took me a while to get, catch on. <laughs> some of y'all have been saved for years and years and years and years. And you know what? The Lord will save a man that's laying on his deathbed at 88 years old. <laughs> like the thief on the cross. Is that fair? The Lord says, I'm good. You're not. <laughs> that's the truth. You can get saved at the twilight of your years. You can get saved at the 11th hour. See that in there? The 11th hour. That's right before the midnight tolls. You can get saved at the 11th hour. Let me tell you something. If you're going to wait to get saved at the 11th hour, I don't recommend it. I buried way too many young people. I've buried way too many young people. If you're waiting to say, well, I'll just live my life. I'll do what I want to do and sow my seeds. And then when I get older, then I'll start settling down. And I'll, maybe I'll get into church and I'll take Jesus Christ. And then I'll... There's no guarantee you got tomorrow. I got a Spanish friend that was witnessing to a guy. And he's another Spanish friend. And he lived, they lived over in the Comanche area. And he told him, hey, you need to take Jesus Christ. He goes, I got all my life to get Jesus Christ. I don't need him. He was a big drinker, a big partier. Well, a week later, he's in a swimming pool, and he was cleaning out the swimming pool, one of those above-ground swimming pools, and one of those, there was, he was kind of vacuuming out the bottom of it, and he had the vacuum up at the edge, and this whole family said he jerked the cord, and he realized what he'd done, and that thing fell into the pool and woke up and met Jesus. Electrocuted him right there. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I wouldn't wait till the 11th hour. You're, you're gambling your whole soul. Will Jesus save me, though? Yeah, he'll save you. He'll hire you. But man, you're a bigger gambler than me. Because when I first comprehended that I was a sinner, and I started realizing I was going to go to hell and pay for my sins, and it was a free gift offered to me, it didn't take long for me to come on down here and take it. Amen. That's just me. Now, you, we all, we, you're free to live. We're free while in 21, you can do what you want to do. Amen. Take that down is... Look at verse 13. But he, he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Verse 15. Look at this. Guys, read this. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is not I evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Is thine eye evil because I'm good? Hey, we don't have to understand the goodness of God. Just don't get caught. Brothers, let me give you some advice. Don't get caught being jealous over God's goodness. Because then what will happen is he'll put you last. See what he says there in verse 16? So the last shall be first and the first last. The Lord will judge you. 
He'll judge you and say, okay, well, you know, when we get up here, you're going to lose some rewards. I'm going to put some of those that you thought were last, I'm going to put them up here at the front. Your jealousy can affect you. Relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son goes off, lives riotously, lives like the devil, comes home and says, I'm going to come home to my father and just pretend I'm a servant. My father can just treat me like a servant. I just want to have a place to lay my head and to sleep and to eat. And he came home and the father ran out and hugged him and kissed him and said, kill the fatted calf, put the ring on him, put some shoes on him, put a robe on him. That's our father. That's how good he is. But do you remember the brother? He's always forgotten. That old brother, the brother didn't like that. You never killed a fatted calf for me. And I've been here this whole time working. And then he's been out there wasting your money. You never treat me. And he turns around and said, shouldn't we be loving on him and taking care of him because he's lost and now he's come back? And he says, don't you know that all I have is yours? The great truth is when a Christian waits to the very last to get saved, they get saved at the very old age. They have very little time to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ and get those rewards up in heaven. They've lost their inheritance. They've lost their inheritance. Just like the prodigal son that ran off, he spit all of his inheritance. So the question might come up to you is, yeah, but what can I do? Not much. What can I do, Pastor? What, what can I do? Not much. Hey, every little bit counts. Amen? This is an organism. The, our, the, the, the Bible describes the church as a body. You need every part of your body. Every part is important. It's like a watch. Your watch is beautiful and it's working great, but one little gear stops working, the whole thing stops working. Every job is important. Every little job is important. Every little thing you do, and you say, what is it that I need to do, Pastor? That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what that is. The Lord does. You do. I think if you pray enough and honest and earnestly pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do for you? He might reveal to you some stuff he can do. He's in the hiring business. There's never been a time I hadn't got down my knees and said, Lord, what do you want me to do that I didn't know what I should do? But what I was trying to do is like Jonah trying to run from it. Last time I did that, I was out mowing and finally gave up and said, Okay, Lord, I don't want you to throw me in a well. I'll do it. I got tired of the Lord pestering me. Maybe he's pestering you. <laughs> Maybe you just need to say, You know what? I don't want you to do me like you did Jonah. What does that mean? Jonah ran from God because God wanted him to do a job for him and Jonah ran from God, so God just... Just got him swallowed by a whale. Wound up at the bottom of the ocean, dead, swallowed by a whale. Then when Jonah repented of it, God said, okay, he resurrected him and spit him out of that whale's mouth. And what did Jonah do? Come out of there with all that vomit off that whale. Repent! <laughs> Repent! God's serious. Man, you don't want to be like that. Isn't it better just go ahead and go do what you're supposed to do? It is. It is. But you, you, we worry about that. You know... One of my favorite stories I've read is about a pastor. His name was Marshall Craig. He was actually a doctor, but he was a pastor. He's preaching. He's preaching at this university. Of course, this was years ago, I think back in the 30s. And he's preaching. He was pleading for young people to give their life to Christ. He was at a university. He said, give y'all's life to Christ. And as he watched, he saw some athletes and football players and uh, president of the student body came down, some cheerleaders uh, all kinds of people came down, and he was up there with the present university, and he's watching all these people at the altar, and they're praying to the Lord, I guess seeking what the Lord wants them to do. And he's about that time, he looks at the back, and he sees this young man crawling on his hands and knees. And he says uh, to the president, he says, 
what's, what's the story on that? And he said, oh, he said, he's a hopeless cripple. But don't worry about him, he's a hopeless cripple. And as that Dr. Morgan sat there, or Craig sat there, and he's watching him, he's watching him slowly crawl up here to the front of the altar. And when he got to the front, that cripple said to Dr. Morgan, he said, the Lord has a place for these football athletes. The Lord has a place for these cheerleaders. But can the Lord use a cripple like me? And Dr. Craig, with tears in his eyes, said, the Lord's been looking for a cripple just like you. He'll use you. He's in the hiring business, the Lord is. You just got to let him. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. 
I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.